Thank you for downloading this podcast from the Traverse Theatre, Edinburgh. We now join the theatre's literary officer and your host, Jennifer Williams. Welcome to another edition of our continuing series of Travcast interviews with playwrights, in which we talk with playwrights about their current work and also explore their thoughts on the art of playwriting and the part it plays in their lives. Having completed our four weekly festival Travcasts, which we hope you've enjoyed, we'll now be shifting to a regular monthly schedule of broadcasts, so please tune in or download each month for your next episode of Travcast. Today, I'm delighted to welcome the playwright Peter Arnett to our Travcast. Peter began his career at the Traverse in 1985 with White Rose. The play was one of three seminal productions staged at the Traverse that year and also launched the career of actress Tilda Swinton. Peter has written plays and songs, cabaret, film and television scripts, and perhaps even a poem or two in his day. Uh, as well as a rather fabulous blog, which he's been writing regularly as part of his residency here. His plays often have a historical focus and have appeared on stages as far-flung as New York, Melbourne, and Moscow. Peter was writer-in-residence for the John Murray Archive at the National Library of Scotland, 2008 to 2011, where he delivered a series of work on the social context and impact of Darwin's origin of species. And this year, he was named the Traverse ESRC Genomics Forum Playwright-in-Residence. So Peter, I thought by... Uh, I thought we'd start by asking you to talk a little bit about the Genomics Forum and the work you've been doing there. Sure. Um, the the first thing people ask is genomics. What is that? <laughs> um, and it basically it's what comes after genetics. Uh, basic and it's also um, the things that have happened since the sequencing of the human genome, which is basically what happens when you string all the chromosomes together and you get a very long and apparently very boring text made of A's, C's, T's and G's. Um, but uh, it's basically it's a portrait of who we are. But they're all completely individual, but they're all closely related. So it's more or less the Dynomics Forum exists. I think my... my, my um, analysis now is that it exists fundamentally about to do with people's anxiety about... Um, uh, I don't know, stem cell research, uh, synthetic biology, all those kind of areas. And basically the idea is that I take what I've, uh, my playwriting and the Traverse Theatre as an institution and this genomics forum, and I, I have this fantastic um, opportunity, which is to spend a year just thinking about it and finding mm. out about it, and, which is fantastic, and then writing a play, which is, if, it was, if anyone's out there from the Arts Council or from Creative Scotland, I beg your pardon, <laughs> that's the perfect residency, um, which is you get time to think and then you get to write. It's marvellous. Fantastic. Yeah. And so you've been uh, doing a lot of research as part mm. of the residency, and I was curious to find out a little bit about how much your interest in science when that started and if you've had that for years or if that's been a more recent development? It's, comp it's more recent, I suppose. I mean, I, I was very bad at school. I, could, I can't do sums. Um, so therefore, the sciences were a closed book to me after O-grade. Um, <laughs> so, uh, it, uh, it, but it, it's always, my brother's a scientist, as, as it happens. Um, but it's, it's something I, I, I suppose I've been in, always interested in a little. But it was really um, hearing Stephen Jay Gould on the radio. Um, he's a, he's a great paleontologist and uh, 
uh, evolutionary um, scientist and fantastic writer. Um, and it's that combination of his short essays and his collections of essays um, completely turned me around, and which is why I got so interested in Darwin, which is why I got the last gig at the National Library of Scotland, because they were doing stuff at the centenary, um, or, uh, and the bicentenary, rather. And also that led to the next step after you've done evolution and Darwin is genetics. And, and so here we are. And I'm now trying to, uh, five months in, more or less, to cramming, trying to cram into my head what has been going on since 1859, which is, you know, a big ask. Um, and uh, But I'm uh, I'm enjoying it tremendously and uh, thinking that the only thing I could possibly write is a comedy. I can't possibly try and do anything <laughs> serious about this. So I have to, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about writing a comedy now, which is perhaps news to everybody, but there we are. <laughs> and has comedy played a big part in your work over the years? Well, sure, well I, I've, I've always tried to be funny. Um, th th <laughs> there's always been, especially when you're writing things about the very serious um, or about very serious subjects, I think it's always important to try and put a few jokes in. Um, partly because people do. I mean, that's that's what people do when when they're when in very serious situations, they you know they try and make it better by having a laugh, and so that's always been part of it. Um, and also, audiences enjoy wit, so I enjoy trying to be witty if I can, um, and they enjoy characters. Most more importantly, they enjoy characters who are witty, um, because this is what the great thing about I think the distinction between writing plays and writing almost anything else is that you have to be more or less invisible and always to remember that what you the stuff that you write down isn't the play. It's just what people say and do in the course of the play. I mean, the play is not in the text. The play only ever happens, I think, in the audience's mind. That's the only place it actually happens. I suppose in some ways you could say that reading a book, the, pl the place that the book happens is in the reader's mm. mind. But I think in, in a... Um, in, in, in a theatre, I think it's particularly true because you are, you know, you're sus classically speaking, suspending your disbelief. You're saying I, whether you're really pretending to be in this room with these people. You really are in a real room with real people. And they are the ones who are telling the story. And the playwright is that the job is to bring something into the room to help them do that. And the journey. Um, in a sense, there's, there's a, the two journeys. When, and this is maybe the genomic stuff is, is a case in point is that as a writer, first of all, um, this, it's pointless doing anything where you know the answer before you finished asking the question. I mean, this is the, uh, where the entertainment industry, of course, works, uh, that you come up with a strap line for the movie before you write the script. You know, that you have to have summarise your film in seven words. Well, if you could summarise a film in seven words, why not send a telegram? You know, so it's, it's, what, what you do is... Well, what I try to do anyway um, is is start with a question and go on a journey, because again, the attitude to the audience. Um, if I already know the answers, what I, I have no business in writing this, and I have no business asking anyone to come along with me on the journey, whether it's actors in the first instance, and then the whole team who make a play happen, the, the director, the designers, the, all, all those people, and then you ask an audience along. But basically, I think what you should be doing, or what the honest offer to make, is, is to say, here's a journey that I think is interesting, that interests me, because that's the only standards you can possibly have, is what mm. interests you, um, and would you like to come along with? And that's more or less, I hope, what the philosophy has been uh, most of the time, whether it's, uh, I don't know, whether something about the Second World War. White Rose, that the play you mentioned, was about... Um, a Russian woman fighter pilot in the Second World War, uh, who I, you know, her, I came across her story and thought, "Wow!" And they're basically trying to translate the "wow" into an hour and a half's worth of theatre. 
um, which you know the casting didn't hurt. It was Ken Stott and Tilda Swinton and Kate Duchenne, and they were you know fantastic. But that's the uh, but that was again a big lesson about the particular thing of theatre. In the uh, and this is the old Travers in the Grass Market. They said you've got three actors, uh, a tiny theatre, and we want it to be really big. So I thought, okay, Battle of Stalingrad, three actors. There you go. That's big. <laughs> How big do you want it? Um, so and, and and in a way that, that but the the, the, uh, the other main thing about playwriting, unlike even film writing, is that a play is something that happens in a particular place with particular people at a particular time, and that's I think is always the a great place to to start. Um, yeah. And I think what you were saying about the way a piece of work like a play or a piece of literature comes alive in the audience's mm. mind is is quite exciting and seems to me helps explain why the work of the genomics forum is so so important and relevant because it's a way of putting the science that they're trying to explain to laymen sure. and general people walking around to, to make that real and living and, yes. and explicable to them. Yes, it? absolutely. I, I, but again, what's fascinating, and this is perhaps something about the, what the play's going to be about, is that the agenda has changed in the time because basically limitless amounts of money were paid towards um, to, uh, the sequencing the human genome. And as a matter of fact, I'm reading now, it's fantastic, um, that really in terms of direct translation of we invest this money, we then make a profit by selling new, new fantastic drugs which will cure everything, um, that scenario never really existed. It was always a symbolic thing to do. It was always uh, a kind of assertion, like, like sending the man to the moon. It was like it was an assertion of um, the wonderfulness of technology, and of course, what's happened is that ten years later there are some extraordinarily exciting things happening. But big pharmaceutical companies are going, "Excuse me, hang on, where's my cure? Where is it? I'm sorry, where is this?" And and what? It, but and it's in a way, the scientists have managed this fantastic con job on the on the people who paid for the project because they are finding out lots of extraordinarily wonderful things which are not really to do with the gene for this which goes wrong, therefore you do something to the gene to cure it. That's the kind of old model. The model is we're not interested so much in they, I say we, um, <laughs> they are not interested so much uh, in, well, they are, of course, interested in diseases, but they're interested in how things actually work. And that's not commercializable. And it's not, it's not even... It's explicable, but it's but it's it's complicated and it's kind of wonderful, and they're having a really wonderful time. Um, and I suppose my uh, my public fear because I'm not just reading; I'm also hoping to share what I'm doing um, before I write the play by doing open uh, kind of meetings where people can just come and talk. We're doing the, the, these are the, the every the last Thursday of every month. The next one, uh, well, the 22nd of September, which isn't quite the last Thursday because because <laughs> the last Thursday I'm rehearsing a. A written piece, which is about um, religion and uh, science, which is about the Scopes Monkey Trial and about Inherit the Wind, which is a, which was the play about this famous trial where a school teacher was arrested for teaching evolution in Tennessee in 1925, and there was a huge kind of mega confrontation, Clash of the Titans. Um, but it was also became a very famous play and a famous movie, Inherit the Wind, um, and bought us. And so it was. A, it's a good first public forum to say here's the, here's a piece of theatre and here's a piece of science and controversy and here's what happened when they came together. Um, so that's what I'm doing first of all. It's, it's me and a couple of actors and, and hopefully that'll be fun and exciting. So that's what I'm doing at the end of this month. On September the 30th at 7.30. So be there or be yes, you know, excluded be from natural wonderful. selection. <laughs> yes. Um, 
Yes, and and do come along as well to those uh, m- usually last Thursday of the month. Though, yeah. Excepting this month, it'll be the 22nd meetings because yeah. those are free there at four in the afternoon at the Traverse. And they're a great place to be able to talk to Peter more and, and learn more about what he's been doing. Uh, you've also got a, a playwriting workshop coming up in early Indeed, November, on the, uh, don't you? Yes, the 5th November, of November, November which is a, a good good day for burning down governments. <laughs> um, yes, is uh, what we're doing is, as I'm doing a uh, an all-day workshop, in fact, I think it's 10.30 in the morning to 4, four in the afternoon, yeah. something like that, which is uh, where hopefully we'll be able to um, get some practical work done. So you get a group of, group of playwrights together and say, okay, right, we've got a day to make something. And I, what I wanted to do was to talk about specifically about working from source material, which is something I've done quite a lot of, as I'm doing right now with the genomics stuff. And that was something I did want to ask you, um, perhaps as a little preview to the workshop, mm. but in general for our discussion here, about how you feel working with all this research documentary material is affecting your writing process. Is that a change for you? Do you already have a, a way of working in that manner? I think it's part, there's, there's a change going on in terms of how willing I am to let things speak for themselves, probably more willing than I was um, when I was more kind of young and thrusting and insecure. Um, I think uh, the, but the one principle that always applies is, is, one, uh, is a slogan which I, I, I stole from um, Bertolt Brecht, which is um, he's talking about a Chinese battle painting and how extraordinary he thinks this, this medieval Chinese battle painting, and which is one of the, if you can picture it, one of those pictures that's full of thousands of incidents all happening at the same time, and so there's no time sequence, but he says, but what, how does this person choose what to write about? And he says this phrase, which is, amazement guides his brush. Mm-hmm. And this has been a kind of personal slogan for the last 25 years, because the only thing I can really trust, I mean, I'm, because I'm not a teacher, I'm not a, you know, I'm not a, a source of wisdom, is my own, I can trust my own amazement, and trust that my amazement will be shared by other people because if it's not then we're all doomed I think that's a really beautiful message <laughs> for especially maybe well uh, well, all players probably all writers all artists to, to keep in mind I, I think that uh, trusting yourself and, and that things that you well, find who else have you got to trust interest, after all? Yeah, yeah absolutely um <laughs> uh, you spoke in a recent interview with Mark Fisher about that seminal 1985 year. Mm-hmm. And you said, if I can be so bold as to quote you, there's okay. no reason why Scottish theatre can't be about the world. Sure. Which seems uh, to be quite an extraordinary pl- proclamation to me, a beautiful one. And I was just wondering <coughs> if you could talk about that and how that th- way of thinking has affected your writing. Well, I think it's, it's partly time-specific. When, because well, when um, I, my playwriting career began, I see, you know, 25, 26 years ago now, and things were very Impossible. different. Impossible. You're much too young mm. for that. <laughs> I'm just, it's just clean living. Um, the, uh, the, um, but Scotland, uh, theatre, in terms of theatre, was a very different place in, um, in that time. And really, before the 1970s, there was no um, continuity of professional new playwriting happening in Scotland. That really began, it, there was dribs and drabs. Every so often, there would be something. Um, but, so, for example, the, the most gifted Scottish playwright of the 1950s and 60s, C.P. Taylor, didn't really work up here very much. Did a couple of things that Travis are mostly in Newcastle. Um, the greatest, the most successful British playwright of all time is probably J.M. Barry, apart from Shakespeare, obviously, but J.M. Barry of the 20th century, and is the most successful Scottish playwright that has ever been, never would play on in Scotland. It just wasn't something you would think of doing. The idea that Scotland could be a place at all where you would speak in your own, in people, where Scottish audiences would hear Scottish writers with Scottish actors talking about, and by this is not an ethnic category, by the way. Anyone who lives here is Scottish, as far as I'm concerned. Um, 
is that uh, that was more or less unthinkable. But in a sense, there's a hist so the historical moment in the 1980s, which is post the first devolution referendum when everyone was really depressed, post deindustrialization, de steelworks, mines shutting everywhere. The idea of, of saying something positive and assertive that Scottish theatre wasn't just about being couthy and cute and tartan and shortbread or the kind of urban Glasgow version of that, which is slums and rats and, mm. you know, and th th that was a kind of accepted form, um, which is still important and, and still has lots of valid things to be done within that genre. But basically, why can't Scottish theatre consider itself to be international? And I think that that was a, a, a generational thing, which Chris Hannan, because um, he did his play, Elizabeth Gordon Quinn was on at the same time, is a play, a Scottish tenement drama. In that way, it refers back to Men Should Weep and all those kind of plays from the 1920s onwards. Um, but it was completely new in its form. It was kind of a, 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 a kind of Brechtian opera. It's a fantastic play, um, and uh, Joe, uh, Joe Clifford' um, play um, "Losing Venice" was again a play done by a Scottish cast in the Scottish theatre. But it was a, a, this extraordinary Baroque fantasy about um, a Spanish invasion of Venice in the 15th century, and why not? I mean, this, in a sense, it was first of all to say why not, but also to say that the way to be, the way for a small country to be part of the world is yes to assert its localness, but that localness includes uh, a global vision. That that's that's how we get to be an interesting place to come and work, and and, and I think we are. I think this because I mean, you know, you're here, um, <laughs> and it's this this. And I think there are lots of people who are coming here now, and 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 find it an interesting and exciting place to be, and that's and it is. So it certainly is. Yeah. Um, fantastic. Well, uh, I just wanted to maybe ask you quickly, too, we're, we're sort of running out of time, but we've got a few minutes left, okay. about maybe if you could just talk a little bit about how you write a play. <laughs> That's probably a big question for Blimey. a few minutes. But do you, um, do you um, kind of, are you a writer who knows the whole story right away? Do you, do you work I, through I it? I feel like I sort of have to, although the first version of the whole story is never the version I finish up with. But I feel I have to um, at least have something like the whole structure in my head before I can do anything. I think fundamentally playwriting is acting but with a pencil. Um, and you, so you're acting in slightly slow motion. So the actor's role, which is what you actually write down, you write down what they say and do, um, that's the actual text as I said before, isn't the story, isn't the structure. Um, the structure is you place a person who wants and, uh, and does certain things in a particular context. So for me, I have to think about the world first in the way that um, the first thing you see as an audience when you come into the theatre is the set. And you see, here's the set, and there, he's, here are the rules implied by this set. Here is this world in which only a certain kind of thing can happen. Or if if it does, if it more if weirder things can happen, you better have a very good reason. So that's more like I, 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 so I try to think both structurally and locally at the same time, because obviously the act, what you actually write down only takes a moment for someone to say, but that has to be a completely full and realized moment. But at the same time, that's not what the play is. The play is the is the hour and a half of space and time that people spend there. And that in the, in, that's the actors and the audience. And sometimes me, I'm suppressing, laughing at my own jokes before <laughs> the actor has said them properly, which is very bad. <laughs> and I have to be stopped. Um, but it's, but there's, yeah, it's basically, it's, it's always remembering that it's a physical thing. Um, and that, so, and the, the what tends to happen is that um, I will have a first scene, I'll get to the end of the draft, and then I will cut the first scene because the first scene will now be wrong. 
that I rewrite. For so writing is fun, improvising is fun, but real writing is rewriting and rewriting and rewriting and, and rewriting. Yeah. Yes. And things are never finished, only ever abandoned. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, on that note, that's that's fantastic. Um, so uh, we've got quite a number of upcoming events that some of which we've mentioned mm -hmm. that you're doing. You've been wonderfully um, open about sharing your residency with the public, so we're really pleased about that. We've got the 22nd of September. That's the Human Genre Workshop where people can come at 4 p.m. and, and have yep. an informal chat with you. Uh, well, it'll be on a subject, but it's, it's fairly informal and free event. We've got the Whose View of Life or Men and Monkeys Revisited. Mm -hmm. That is the, the sort of performed lecture event That's right. happening on the yes. 30th. It's an experimental form. Yeah, no, I yeah. think it's perhaps a, a, new, a, a whole new sort of form that we're going to be trying out that night. So that's available to book now on the Traverse website. We've got your... Uh, playwriting workshop on the mm -hmm. 5th of November. Again, I think uh, available on our website to book. And also, I just remembered, I think you have agreed to read a poem or two at I have. my Traverses event in October. I w yes, yes, absolutely. I've been writing them. I've been oh, finding myself writing poems, which is very exciting. odd. Yes. Um, so again, please come along to that. That's a free event as part of the Westport Book Festival. And also, do you have a look? You can get there by clicking, uh, looking up Peter Arnott on the Traverse website, um, he'll come up and then you can click through to his blog, which... Um, uh, and, and from my blog, you can get to lots of other interesting scientific stuff. Yeah. And yeah it's because it's the genotype blog, it's called. It's, it's really a wonderful thing. And also, uh, there's the, the Human Genre... The Human Genre um, Project, which is um, a, an online writing collection which has been set up by my predecessor, um, Ken Campbell, who is uh, the science fiction novelist. And it's a poetry and short story website and people to contribute to. So look that up. And if you think you can do better, please send it to me and you'll find my address on the website. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Peter. It was really a joy to have you here to um, share some of your amazing thoughts and ideas with us today. And uh, thank you for um, joining us at this Travcast. Please come again next month for another Travcast interview with one of the Traverse Theatre's extraordinary playwrights. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from the Traverse Theatre Edinburgh. For more information, please log on to www.traverse.co.uk.